Today's episode includes a few stories from our April 15th issue, President Javier's weekly recap, River People Health Center on track for mid-November completion, support services hosts chronic disease self-management program, and FEMA launches COVID-19 funeral financial assistance. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Awesome Action News Podcast. My name is Jessica Joaquin, ad sales slash newsperson for OAN. I am your host for this episode. I hope you are all having a wonderful day. The weather is certainly changing. It's getting pretty hot outside. And, uh, you know, this is only the beginning of what is to come. Please remember to stay hydrated. Remember to check on our elders. And remember to watch out for little ones if you'll be staying cool with taking a dip in the pool. Before we hear from President Javier, let me remind you where you can find the COVID-19 numbers from around the community. You can find them on the SRPMIC Facebook page at facebook.com slash SRPMIC, or you can also visit the SRPMIC website at srpmic-nsn.gov. The numbers are released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, the number for the COVID-19 hotline is 480-362-2603. You can also schedule an appointment to be vaccinated by calling that same line. All right, let's hear President Javier's weekly recap that was released April 9th, 2021. Hello, community members. Uh, come to you today for the weekly update. And I just wanted to announce that, you know, especially with this past weekend, uh, with families kind of getting together, with gatherings happening, if you're not feeling well, uh, please make an appointment, go down and get a, a test to make sure that you're okay. Uh, let's not wait too late uh, before you get the test done. I uh, also wanted to touch on the vaccinations that are being done here in the community. Uh, total doses that have been given here in the community from the beginning of the pods that have been performed here down at the community building uh, stand at, as of this morning, 9,188 total doses have been given. Community members that have been vaccinated, uh, there has been 1,709 community members that have been vaccinated. 1,332 community members are considered fully vaccinated, meaning they receive both of their doses uh, of Moderna. So they are considered fully vaccinated. And we have 377 members that have uh, so far received their first dose, and I'm sure they're scheduled for their second dose so that they'll be fully vaccinated. So I want to thank all the community members that uh, are getting vaccinated and uh, again, encourage those that haven't received a vaccination to please make an appointment and get scheduled so that you can get your vaccination. So again, I want to thank everybody that's been helping down at the pods of uh, administering the vaccination. Um, Again, from everybody that has reported, everything's been going really well. So I want to thank our health department and all those volunteers that are helping in that area. Also wanted to touch on, and I also encourage you to go to the community websites. Uh, the, The tribal council approved a seventh directive in the seventh directive, there's been a lot of the six, one through six directives that have been rescinded. I will touch on one that I think is very important. One of the directives that was given was on wearing your face mask. That directive is still in place. So we're still required within the community to wear our face mask and still consider to practice social distancing, again, washing your hands and, you know, so let's continue to wear our face mask uh, in the community. Some of the things that have been rescinded, the river has been opened. I just wanted to encourage you, there has been some concerns by council on opening the river. And 
that reason was of, of a fire concern. Uh, so make sure if you do go out and enjoy the river, uh, we had encouraged no open fires out at the river. Uh, so I just wanted to announce that to see the other uh, changes within the seventh directive, please again, go to the community website and, and the seventh directive, directive will be posted uh, so that you can go through, through them and see what uh, has been rescinded here in the community. In closing, you know, I just wanted to recognize one of our businesses here in the in the corridor in our entertainment uh, district, uh, Great Wolf, which uh, there's only 18 Great Wolf facilities throughout the country. The facility here, our Great Wolf here in our community has been uh, voted as Lodge of the Year. So what a great accomplishment by, by Great Wolf. And we truly appreciate you know, our relationship that we have with Great Wolf. And I know during this pandemic, through the things that we've been going through, Great Wolf has made donations, especially to our children, giving, I remember, the uh, stuffed animals. So we want to, again, thank them for the relationship and just say congratulations to Great Wolf. In closing, uh, I, I also, again, just want to say, you know, it's really good to see we do not have any active cases. We do not have anybody hospitalized. But you know what? We're so close. And I really, truly believe if we keep wearing our masks for hopefully a short period of time, you know, we'll see what the new norm is like after uh, that period's over. So with that, let's shield up. God bless. I'd like to mention one more thing pretty quickly. The community government has moved into phase two. This means that some government operations that have been closed are now opening. I would encourage you to call the departments ahead of time to determine whether or not they will have staff available to assist you. Make sure you do that before you head on over. Okay, let's get into a few of our stories. River People Health Center on track for mid-November completion. This story is by newsperson Chris Picciuolo. The construction of the new River People Health Center at McDowell Road and State Route 87 slash Country Club on tribal land should be completed in mid-November. When Anthem Action News last caught up with the construction managers of the project in the summer of 2020, the building was being topped off with a beam, signifying the completion of the interior structure. In order to start interior trade construction like fireproofing, drywall, and insulation, the roof needed to be completed to have a watertight environment. With all of the utility installation now complete and photovoltaic solar panels going in shortly, construction crews are finishing the site and ready to support the next phase, which is curb and gutter, asphalt and landscaping. Senior Construction Manager Josh Shaka of Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian Communities Engineering and Construction Services said that the team is ready for crucial next steps. Our, our big tasks ahead of us are um, you know, the interior finishes, uh, bringing our systems online to, to climatize that building, bringing all of our IT, um, you know, building management systems um, uh, online and getting those commissioned and, and up and running uh, to, to support, you know, how this building functions. Um, those are those are critical. Um, in addition to that, uh, the equipment procurement and installation um, is going to be critical as well to obviously, you know, be ready for uh, turning the keys over to HHS. Some of the upcoming work over the summer is going to be equipment installation. This includes fixtures, furniture, dental chairs, and x-ray machines. Medical equipment technology is constantly evolving, and there is a massive amount of new technology being installed to support the services for the next 20 to 30 years. Steve Pazifka, Construction Services Division Manager of SRPMIC Construction Management, had this to say. 
even our IT group, uh, we we find that um, you know building the building is is sometimes the easier part than uh, identifying the technologies and the systems that will be implemented. You know whether it's a pharmacy distribution system or uh, a check-in process for primary care. Uh, all of that. Are, require IT and in the end the uh, users of of those facilities to really coordinate and make it a seamless process for the patient, and it's very patient oriented to where, you know, we're we're trying to reach out to uh, many different healthcare uh, providers to use the latest technology to make their their jobs efficient. After the anticipated construction completion in November. There will be a two-month window of time for final touches like bringing in the furniture, less infrastructure-heavy equipment, and getting people moved in to work. With three floors and many different services provided at each level, one of the main focuses is having a facility be patient-focused with central registration areas. The first floor will feature a lab and pharmacy, a physical therapy, wellness and diabetes prevention wing, and primary care and pediatrics. The second floor focuses on dentistry, behavioral health, imaging, and specialty care. The third floor is dedicated to administrative offices, employee facilities, and conference-slash-training rooms. Several community members and other Native Americans have been a part of building the River People Health Center through the general contractor and construction management company, Arvizo Oakland. About 20% of the labor on the construction project has been done by Native Americans. We're trying to improve that every month we go along, said Porzivka. Transitioning from construction to permanent positions with community member preference priority, SRPMIC is holding a community member hiring blitz for River People Health Center throughout the month of April. Many positions will be available, such as benefits contractor, clerk, custodian, medical assistant, phlebotomist, physical therapist, and more. For more information on the hiring blitz, make an appointment with SRPMIC Human Resources by calling 480-362-7537 or you can email rphc.gobs at srpmic-nsn.gov. Also, be sure to listen to the previous episode where I had a chance to interview Human Services Director and Human Resources Director about the hiring blitz. There's a lot of information in that episode. And I wanted to say that I actually had a chance to to take a tour of the RHPC um, a couple of weeks ago with Chris, and you are all going to absolutely love it. There is a lot of work to be done still, but I know it's going to come out looking fantastic. And you can head over to autumnnews.org in order to see some of the photos that Chris took during this tour. Moving on to our next story, support services, hosts, Chronic Disease Self-Management Program. This story is by newsperson Chris Picciolo. Starting the week of April 19th and ending the week of May 24th, Salt River Support Services will be hosting an Invest in You Chronic Disease Self-Management Program, CDSMP, for Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian community members. If you participate in congregate meals, home-delivered meals, home care assistance, or SSD recreation, or if you are assigned a social worker through support services, you are eligible to attend. Support services manager Alfonso Havatone says that the program is for those with chronic health conditions, adults with diabetes, and elders within the community. Havatone said, 
The program is really kind of client-centered because they really identify what their challenges are and what the steps are that they are going to make to improve around those challenges. The program educates elders and those with chronic conditions on the fundamentals of creating an action plan for themselves, setting goals, and being accountable weekly to the group on their progress. Chronic conditions for which self-management can be helpful include heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, depression, asthma, and bronchitis. We talk about everything from eating right and stretching to sleep and understanding emotions, working with your healthcare professional to solve problems. I think that's probably the biggest thing that the training does for our elders is to practice problem solving, said Ava Ray John, senior services social worker and CDSMP facilitator. The program focuses on physical, mental, and emotional issues. An example would be needing to get your weight down. John said that you can break up that problem into actions like drinking more water on a weekly basis, focusing on how many liters to aim for. There are six classes total, and because of COVID-19 restrictions, the classes are being held on Skype through computers or phone calls. Participants will receive a workbook to follow along with, and computer users might also be given a disc to place in their drive. Meals will be provided to those who successfully complete the program, and there will also be a raffle giveaway. Registration is limited to 18 people. To reserve a spot with the Chronic Disease Self-Management Program, contact your social worker or senior services at 480-362-6350. All right, our final story for today, FEMA launches COVID-19 Funeral Financial Assistance. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought overwhelming grief to families. At the Federal Emergency Management Administration, FEMA, the mission is to help people before during, and after disasters. FEMA is dedicated to helping ease some of the financial stress and burden caused by the coronavirus. Under the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act of 2021 and the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, FEMA will provide financial assistance for COVID-19-related funeral expenses. This month, the Federal Emergency Management Agency will start reimbursing people for funeral costs that occurred on or after January 20th, 2022, up to $9,000 per funeral. There are cases where the virus swept through families, and people who apply for assistance for multiple deaths could receive up to $35,500, officials say. FEMA officials have established a phone number for applicants that will be active beginning April 12th. You will be able to call this number to get an application completed with help from FEMA's representative. Calling in is the only way you can apply. This process is independent of SRPMIC government, so you will have to work directly with FEMA. Be aware FEMA is receiving reports of scammers reaching out to people offering to register them for the funeral assistance. FEMA has not sent any such notifications and do not contact people prior to registering for assistance. Once the applicant has applied for COVID-19 funeral assistance and is provided an application number, they may provide supporting documents to FEMA in a few ways. Those eligible to apply should start compiling records such as an official death certificate that shows the death occurred in the United States and attributes it to COVID-19, as well as receipts or contracts that document funeral expenses, FEMA officials said. The agency also asked applicants to start gathering any documents that show whether they receive help for funeral costs from other agencies or sources. Multiple people who may have helped pay for one funeral can plan to submit one application, and those who receive the assistance will get it in the form of a check 
or by direct deposit. All applicants will have to provide any funding assistance that they have already received, and this amount will be deducted from the amount the applicant receives from FEMA. FEMA began accepting applications for funeral assistance on Monday, April 12th through its dedicated call center. For more information, visit fema.gov slash disasters slash coronavirus slash economic slash funeral assistance. Who is eligible? To be eligible for funeral assistance, you must meet these conditions. The death must have occurred in the United States, including the U.S. territories and the District of Columbia. The death certificate must indicate that the death was attributed to COVID-19. The applicant must be a U.S. citizen, non-citizen national, or qualified alien who incurred funeral expenses after January 20, 2020. There is no requirement for the deceased person to have been a U.S. citizen, non-citizen, national, or qualified alien. How to apply? You can call 844-684-6333, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Central Time. That does it for this episode. Please head over to the OAN website at autumnnews.org to read stories from this April 15th issue. Other stories include Community Artist Leaves His Mark on Hayden House Rehabilitation Project, Help Keep USPS Workers Safe When Delivering Packages Within SRPMIC, SRPMIC Celebrates National Library Outreach Day, SRPMIC Bald Eagles Thrive as U.S. Populations Soar, Arizona National Guard Lends a Hand at COVID-19 Vaccine Clinics. Also, there are not only articles in our newspaper, there are announcements from various SRPMIC departments and programs, as well as job announcements, board vacancies, council corner, legal notices, church listings, and business listings. So be sure to go and check it out. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and at News on Instagram. If you have a podcast idea or general story ideas, you can email us at autumnactionnews at srpmic-nsn.gov. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to wear your masks and we'll catch you next week for an episode of OAN Connects. Goodbye.